Today, instead of fighting in your marriage, fight for your marriage. It's one of the things that we're going to talk about today in our Seven Rings of Marriage Part 2. Week number two of this four-week series is going to lead us up to Valentine's Day on February the 14th. Prayerfully, you were with us last week. If you weren't, I encourage you to go back in the archive, uh, find that sermon, uh, Seven Rings of Marriage, Part 1, and it'll help you get on the page with us. But we looked into Scripture last week to validate our understanding of the two genders and what holy marriage consists of. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 27, the Bible simply says, So God created man... In his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male, Zakar, and female, Nekabah, he created them. God, even way back then, distinguished between a male and a female. In chapter 2 of the book of Genesis, in verse 24 and 25, therefore a man shall leave his father and mother, hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. It almost seems ridiculous in 2021 to have to explain the differences between a man and a woman. Yet, it is a day of confusion for many in the culture. This is the world that we live in. We are now living in a day where gender dysphoria, which is a perceived mismatch between gender identity and your birth certificate, and then sexual orientation, gay, lesbian, bisexual, transgender, These proponents no longer yearn for equal treatment under the law, but preferential treatment by executive order. So before I jump feet first into the sermon, I want to give you a little history lesson. In 2001, the Netherlands opened Pandora's box when it became the first country to establish same-sex marriage by law. Then on June the 26th, 2015, the United States Supreme Court in a 5-4 decision ruled that same-sex couples are guaranteed the fundamental right to marry in direct violation of Holy Scripture. So the reason I give this brief history lesson is our nation is now under a cloud of judgment based upon our natural... uh, sin of the acceptance and promotion of sexual sin. Therefore, holy marriage, according to Scripture, is between a man and a woman, no exceptions. I know this sounds archaic. I know that it sounds old-fashioned, but I like to think it sounds biblical. I'm not trying to be hateful. I'm not trying to be spiteful just truthful. I believe there are many people today, good, well-intentioned people who have allowed their emotions to overrule the truth of God's Word. So with that being said, I want you to look at some scripture with me. Mark chapter 10, beginning in verse 6, that simply says, but from the beginning of creation, God made them male 
and female. Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother, hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh, so that they are no longer two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let not man separate. I think the Bible's very clear, it's very simple in this particular area. And so today, friend, I pray that you've not already turned it off or you've turned the volume down, but you're now willing to listen for just a few moments to prayerfully and hopefully improve your marriage. Because maybe today you have a good marriage and you want to make it great. You have a mediocre marriage and you want to make it good. You have a bad marriage that unless something drastic happens, there are things on the horizon that we just don't want talk about. But nevertheless, I believe that speaking God's Word and speaking truth in these situations will help us to not only define what marriage is, but to help us to have better marriages. So with the truth of Scripture in mind, I want us to look at these seven rings. Now if you were with us last week, we covered the engagement ring. This is the beginning you found that special someone, and you see happily ever after in your future. Your vision is nothing but love. And then we talked last week about the wedding ring. You said, I do, to the girl or to the guy of your dreams, and you two have become one. So let's think about the engagement ring. Is that where some of you are today? You're praying you're believing. You are seeking the spouse that God has for you. I, I pray that you won't hurry into something. I pray that you won't rush into something. I pray that you would allow God's timing in the engagement ring. And then last week we talked about the wedding ring. You know, when Joe and I exchanged rings, it was actually my grandfather, my, my papa's wedding ring. And then a few years ago, because of being active and working out and running, that type of thing, I got a new wedding band, and I asked Joe about it, and she says, oh, I like that one much better. It shows up much, much better. That wedding ring is significant, not only to me as her husband, but it's significant to Joe as my bride. So last week, we did talk about the engagement, we talked about the wedding. Today, we're going to go to that next phase, if you will, of marriage, and let's take just a moment and let's talk about discovering, discovering. What do you mean by discovering? Well, the smoke is cleared. You now see each other every day. You're sleeping in the same bed. You're under the same roof. You're, you're having to help each other find the car keys. Uh, you're having to wait on maybe one to get out of the restroom before you can go into the restroom. A whole lot of things have changed. So what you're now discovering is a very imperfect relationship. <laughs> this ring is an eye-opener. I know that Joe and I in our dating relationship and then after we got engaged and then three months later we were getting married and then once we were in the same house, wow, how I realized that this was no longer my domain, this was no longer my kingdom, it was ours. 
So yes, we begin to embrace a new pace of life. Um, we see our, our spouse sometimes either is cluttered or clean. Sometimes they have this development in their pattern of behavior of being late or early. I could go on and on, but I think you understand. You begin to discover this about this other human being that's now a part of your life. So after a few weeks, a few months, or even a few years, you go, wow, I had no idea we would be this different in marriage than when we were dating. Let me tell you something, friend, if you aren't careful... This can be the beginning of the end of many couples. This part of your marriage is the equivalent of having the covers pulled off of you. And I'll just go ahead and let you know that once you start sleeping with another human being, that's your spouse, your husband, or your wife, every night, sometimes they pull the covers off, don't they? Hey, sometimes you even pull the covers off. Maybe it's inadvertent, maybe it's in the mode of a very deep sleep, but yes, you begin to realize things are not the way they used to be. You are discovering. But not only do we discover some things that maybe are a struggle to us, we also began to discover some things that are a beautiful blessing to us. Because as we began to walk through our marriage journey, Joe and I sort of pulled back the curtain. We began to see that there was something beautiful about this particular ring, not just the engagement ring, not just the wedding ring, but discovering things about one another. We realized it didn't have to be negative. We could allow the discovering to be something beautiful and something positive. Your commitment to one another creates an adventure in the discovering. So let me give a summation of this particular ring, if I may, because wearing the discovering will do at least three things in your marriage. Number one, in some drastic cases, it, it'll make you second-guess your decision. Oh, my soul, what have I done? Oh, did I marry the wrong person? And, and we began to second-guess ourselves. You know, if you were going to buy a new car, and then the first month's payment comes due, you have buyer's remorse. You begin to go, oops, my bad. But we know, though, if we've gone through the proper phases, and we've had the engagement ring, and we've had the wedding ring, and now we're in the midst of discovering, hopefully it's not going to make you second-guess your decision. Prayerfully, number two, it will validate your decision. Joe and I had been married about three or four months, and one morning in particular when I woke up and I looked over there and I went, wow, this is my gift. And for now, 28 years. Now, I'm not saying that there are moments where she struggles with me and I not struggle with her, but wow. To be able to find the person to spend the rest of your life with, I am believing that for you. I am praying that for you. I am hoping that for you. But yet in the midst of it, we all make decisions, and sometimes we make decisions we regret. Sometimes we make decisions to go, that was right on. But it's my prayer and hope that if you're watching today, you're validating your decision. Every day, you 
You listen to them. You pray with them. You worship Jesus with them. And you realize, man, I'm a pretty smart guy. I'm a pretty smart gal. And it validates your decision. And then thirdly, it'll make you realize that none of us are perfect. Now, I never thought that Joe was perfect, but she's pretty close. And even now, after all these years, almost three decades we've been together, Joe does a whole lot more right than she ever thought about doing wrong. I'm not just saying that. I, I believe that that's how we as husbands are to look at our wives. I believe that's how wives are to look at their husbands. It makes us look in the mirror and realize, I'm not perfect. I, I need you praying for me. I need you loving me as I am. I need you forgiving me. So friend, if you have this narcissism about yourself and you think that you're perfect, maybe this message is for you. Maybe this particular point is for you. You need to discover that you aren't. And yet, somebody loves you. Somebody still cares about you. In fact, somebody's putting up with you. But maybe right now the Holy Spirit's dealing with your heart and you go, you know what, I know I'm not perfect. She's not perfect or he's not perfect. But you know what we can be? We can work on this together. So out of all the things that you discover about your spouse that get on your nerves, you realize that you have just as many flaws or more as your spouse. I know that over the last 20 plus years, it's humbling and good for our marriage relationship if you embrace these discoveries. Don't run from them. Uh, don't, don't dig a hole and hide them, but embrace them. I, I love it when I still, even after all these years, discover things about Joe, and it's a gift to our marriage. And what a gift it has been. One of the things that I often share when Joe and I are doing a marriage conference is that I'll go off script because I usually don't write this down. Joe is very low maintenance. Joe is independent, and Joe understands ministry. Now, before I go further, I want to give you a little bit of background. When Joe and I started dating, needless to say, she had never dated a pastor before. She had never dated a preacher. And so when it came that time for me to kiss Joe for the very first time, when we got finished with our embrace, she said, that was weird. And, and, and I can only imagine for her, she says, because I've never kissed a preacher before. Well, as the years have gone by, she's gotten used to kissing this old preacher. Because I think it's something that all of us who are in ministry, and then the Lord gives us a great gift that we need to be appreciative, we need to be thankful, and we need to be grateful. Because you know what I've learned all these years? That there are some of us not cut out for ministry, and there are some wives that are not cut out to be pastor's wives. It's just how it is. But Joe sort of knew what she was getting into as we dated, and then when we got serious that she thought that, I'm going to be a pastor's wife. But you know what she would often say? She says, I'm not necessarily just a pastor's wife. I'm Joel's wife, and he happens to be a pastor. Now, there's a little bit of difference as far as Joe is concerned, where Joe doesn't sing in the choir. 
uh, Joe does not play a musical instrument. And on occasion, a few times over the last few years, we would be in a conversation with a pastor search committee, and uh, they would ask, hey, can your wife come with you? Because we have some questions for her as well. And Joe was always gracious to do that. And we would begin to have the conversation, and they would ask her, well, Joe, what about you? Uh, what do you do? Do you sing in the choir? And she would usually go, no, sir, no, ma'am. Oh, oh you, you, or do you play the piano or any musical instruments? Oh, oh no, no, sir, no, no, ma'am. And then, and it was not rude on their part, but then they would go, well, what do you do? And this is Joe's perfect answer. She would point at me and says, I take care of him. Because if he's taken care of, then he can take care of you. Oh, just melts my heart still to this day when I think about that over the years of discovering what our particular spiritual gifts are. And listen, you don't have to be a pastor and a pastor's wife. It could be anything that you do vocationally and in your career path, but when you find what works for you as a couple, that's my goal. That's my heartbeat as we walk through this series together that you will discover what that is. Well, we go from discovering and it leads us to persevering. Persevering. Just as our marriage video before the sermon today teaches us, you must be willing to fight for your marriage. And I'm going to go ahead and tell you, friend, it is not for the faint of heart. So as you've listened today, and as you'll listen these last few minutes, you may ask yourself, is there hope for my marriage? Oftentimes when I'm doing pastoral care and it's someone who has trouble in their marriage, they'll ask me, Pastor, is there hope for us? And listen, I, I believe that as long as Jesus is in the heavens and He's at the right hand of the Father, there is hope for your marriage. Listen to me today. There's hope for you. There's hope for your marriage. Pastor, how can you say that? Well, let's just go to the Word of God. Luke chapter 18, verse 27. Jesus said, What is impossible with man is possible with God. I don't believe that Jesus was necessarily referring to marriages in that particular passage of Scripture, but I believe it has wide-ranging power. What is impossible with man is possible with God. Even when your spouse or your ex-spouse says, it is impossible. Your family says, it is impossible. Your friends say, it is impossible. Your lawyer says, it is impossible. Everyone significant in your life says, it is impossible. But however, one more time, Jesus said, what is impossible with man is possible with God. Listen to me closely today. It is possible to forgive. And I've heard so many horror stories over the years about marriages and how husbands and wives that supposedly love one another, how they treat each other. It is possible to forgive. It is possible to love again. And once again, friend, I say it is possible. However, there is a catch. Oh, yeah, there is always a catch, isn't it? 
Are you willing to pray like everything depends on God and then work like everything depends on you? I think that's how we should approach any situation, not just marriage, not just the difficulties in marriage, not just when we're about to head to divorce court. Are you willing to pray like everything depends on Him, but then I'm willing to put in the work like everything depends on me? So as I begin to close this morning, I want to give you about five ways to divorce-proof your marriage. Number one, just say no. Yeah, just say no. Honey, I want no. Well, baby, I, I know. Just, just say no. Do not allow that word, don't allow that thought, or anything that is related to divorce in a marriage put us in a place where we had no choice but to make our marriage work. Go ahead and burn that bridge by agreeing to never consider divorce or even speak about it in your relationship. No matter how hard it gets, just choose to say no. Ruth Graham, they were interviewing her a number of years ago. It was in the height of Billy Graham's crusades. He's traveling all over the world. He's never at home. Uh, Franklin Graham is probably in rebellion during that time, and uh, the other kids are making decisions, and it's all crazy. And they asked her, they said, Miss Graham, how, how do you handle all this? Have there ever been times? She said, oh, no, Billy and I decided a long time ago that there was not going to be a divorce. There may be a murder, but there's not going to be a divorce. You just got to be willing to say no. Secondly, ignore the statistics. Now, I know that last week I started out with some statistics. Four out of ten, divorce. 67% of second marriages. 73% of third marriages. Ignore me. Ignore the statistics. Stats are numbers on a paper, not real people. Find marriages that have some good qualities you like then learn from them, then implement those traits and habits in your marriage. But there comes a time, you just got to ignore the data. Ignore the statistics and say, you know what? My spouse and I, we're flesh and blood. We're going to make this work because first of all, we have said no to divorce, which leads us to number three. You got a poor lasting foundation. I touched on this last week, but it's worth repeating again. Take your Bibles, turn with me to Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7, begin reading with me in verse 24. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. What's your marriage built on today? Is your, is your marriage built on the rock? Are you a wise man and you are a wise woman and you've built your marriage on the rock? Because if you have, let me tell you surely what's about to happen. Verse 25. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and it beat on that house, but it did not fall. Why? Because it had been founded on the rock. Joe and I prayerfully, in December, the 19th day, 1992, we built our marriage on the rock. Is your marriage built on the rock? Look at verse 26. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. Is your marriage built on sand? Well, I can take it or leave it. You know what? I'll just trade in this model and get me a newer model when this one wears out. If that was your attitude walking in, Bubba, you are in trouble. Because 
even though I believe my marriage is built on the rock, the rains fall, the floodwaters rise, and the winds blow. The Bible says in verse 27, for those who build their marriage or build their house on the sand and the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell and great was the fall of it. Why? You built your marriage on the sand. You built your marriage on something that moves. You built your marriage on something that can sink. Friend, today, make up your mind. My marriage is going to be built on the rock. Number four is very important to Joe and I. Hopefully it will be important to you as well. If you want to divorce-proof your marriage, remember your promise. What are you talking about, Joel? Well... When I stand up in front of couples and I do wedding ceremonies, I ask two significant questions among other questions to the bride and to the groom. And usually to the groom, I'll say something like this. Do you promise to support her and love her for life? I have officiated weddings for 32 years and not one groom has ever said no. Now I've had a few who went back on that promise, but not a one of them have said no. To the bride who's standing right beside him, I ask, do you promise to love, honor, and cherish him? And not one bride in 32 years has ever said no. However, just like the groom, some went back on that promise. So here's my word to you today. Be a promise keeper, not a promise breaker. I am very careful when I look at Joe and I look in those beautiful eyes and I say, I promise, baby. I make sure that before I ever use that phrase, before I ever use that word, I can keep that promise. Be a promise keeper, not a promise breaker. Fifth and finally, understand that there will be issues, but make the commitment to work through them. So if you've gone for marital counseling or if you talked with someone before you said, I do, and they told you that marriage is happily ever after all the time, they didn't tell you the truth. Every marriage comes with challenges. But anything that is worth having is worth overcoming the challenge. And you can. With God's help, you can overcome the challenge. So yes, in marriage... In every relationship, there will be challenges. So how do I overcome the challenge? How do I do it, Pastor? Hebrews 11 and 1 is a good place to start. Now, faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Are you willing to have faith today and believe that these rings that we're talking about can help solidify and bring back together something that the devil's tried to tear apart. So let's sort of re-engage now. The engagement ring. It's about the beginning. Oh, everything's fun. Everything's wonderful. You do your thing. She does her thing. Then you go home. Everything's fine. Well, then we get married. Wedding ring. Commitment. I got to be home at a particular time. I got to pick up the kids at a particular time. I got to go by and pick up supper at a particular time. There's a commitment. And then there's the discovering, what we talked about today. Remember to embrace what is different. Your spouse is going to surprise you at times. You'll have no idea what was coming, and then it happens. Remember to embrace what is different. And then lastly, persevering. Remember to fight for your marriage. I don't know who this is for today. Fight for your marriage. Fight for her. Fight for him. 
Don't just lay down and let the devil use you as a, as a placemat. Don't you dare do that. If you love him, if you love her, you fight for your marriage. You do whatever it takes. You go to as many counseling sessions that you need to. You, you pay as much money for marriage conferences as you need to. You do whatever it takes, but be willing to persevere and be willing to fight for your marriage. I want to conclude today in these last few seconds. Charles Spurgeon, as many of you know, is one of my favorite preachers, the Prince of Preachers. But he is the most quotable preacher that has ever, ever been around, I believe. This is what he said. May God the Holy Ghost give you the wisdom which comes from above, which will lead you to sit as a child at the feet of Jesus and learn his ways. Wow. That's what I want today. I put that on social media last week. And if it wasn't for anyone else... It was for me. I need to learn how to listen and glean wisdom that comes from above. So maybe today, friend, during this Seven Rings of Marriage series, you need to let the Holy Spirit, in some charismatic circles and even Bapticostal circles, the Holy Ghost, speak to you about your marriage as you guys move forward together. I want you to bow your heads with me there online and first of all, thank you for hanging out with us. You can go ahead in these next few moments and start getting ready for the Lord's table. Pastor Keenan is going to come and lead us in the Lord's Supper together. But in the meantime, let me just encourage you, if the Holy Spirit spoken to you today, we have counselors available for you. Men and women that will answer the phone will pray with you and They'll take your prayer requests and share it with us as a staff if you would like them to. Simply give us a call at 256-232-0602. You may also contact us here at the church office by emailing us at info at fbcathens.org. Today, friend, we've talked about two areas that I know has been a part of Joe and I's marriage. And if you'll be honest, it's also been a part of your journey as well. Keep discovering and keep persevering.